a Radio 1 91FM podcast. Uh, right now I'm joined by Ramaya Campbell, um, the Master's Candidate at the Peace and Conflict Studies. What does it mean to be a Master's Candidate? Uh, it means that I could succeed or fail. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to be a master of it? You want to be a master, but well, it all depends. So, got to be a candidate. Got to be a candidate first. <laughs> all right, you're here. Um, you're for peace and conflict studies, I should add. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about far right terrorism. It's something that you've looked into through your studies. Yes, yes, mm. I have. Unfortunately, quite often. Yeah, yeah. Um, including you visiting Ireland and yeah. looking at some stuff there, because yeah. uh, you know, of course, there's a separatist violence that's gone on between Protestants and Catholics for Mm -hmm. generations Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and then with of course um, Northern Ireland the Northern Ireland and the Ireland's um, separation with the British government um, it has led to um, a lot of violence and some of that violence um, seeped into um, Scotland I imagine as well with the with Mm. the the separation of the Catholics and the Protestants yes, there as well. Yes. I mean, you just look at the football teams, right? And you yeah. can see it. <laughs> I don't even touch that. I don't, yeah, even, yeah. I don't even go there. Uh, That's the real danger. But um, anyway, when we say right-wing terrorism or far-right terrorism, what are we looking at? Um, what sort of groups of art or ideologies is there? Because, I mean, it can't just be nutted down to one thing, right? There's no, it's quite... Um, they're, all, they're all tied together, usually, by this sense of... Um, uh, superiority, usually racial superiority, uh, these ideas that tend to tie in with divine ideas of who gets to own what and why and who is predestined to be on top of the world, this kind of mm. um, this kind of thing, yeah, but it's the groups are quite different and quite diverse. Uh, the ones that I'm used to studying are mostly US based, um, obviously since I'm from Los Angeles we're dealing with classics like the KKK, mm-hmm. um, Aryan Nation, right? You've got skinheads, you've got you know all of these different groups who in one form or another are all subscribing to this idea of um, uh, white racial superiority. Um, and then you just throw in a bunch of other things into the mix, right? Some mm. groups believe that's all divinely inspired. Some groups believe that it's, you know, this kind of dog-eat-dog world. And the fact is that white people are just more powerful and therefore have the right to rule. Um, you throw in nationalism and a history of colonialism, and you've got this nice, diverse mixture of uh, terrible, harmful ideology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eugenics is one that... Eugenics, what, yeah. yeah. That one often gets swept under the rug. I come from a um, an undergraduate university with some buildings named after famous eugenists. Of course um, you do. And there's, yeah, Of course I do. And there are um, some long-standing pushes um, to kind of change those, but yeah. you find that societies are quite tied to their tied to their ways of being. So if you come up and try to challenge something, even on a very moral basis, such as maybe we shouldn't have buildings named after eugenists, um, you're gonna you're gonna get pushback. People love their their history. Yeah, and one of the prime examples I guess of that in the United States is Charlottesville. Oh, Charlottesville. So that was a dark day. And, yeah. Um, among many dark days for... And, and that stems from, um, you know, this push in the South to um, take away statues and the Confederate flag mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and far-right groups seeing that as... Uh, or not even just far-right groups, just general people from the South see it as, you yes. know, an important part of their history. History and heritage yeah. and all those good things. And I think the important lesson to take away from that, among other things, is... Um, History is so interpretable, you mm. know, to each person, and 
the truth about Confederate monuments and the truth about the Confederacy is, you know, it's a it's a separatist movement to break away from the United States under, you know, the desire to maintain slavery and economic prosperity in the South. And that is the history. Mm the history I'm going to tell you, right? And I believe it's the true history, but, you know, you get people who are descendants of Confederate soldiers, and you get people who've lived in the South all their life, and this Confederate flag is, like, the fabric of their history, right? And um, so to me, it's quite simply a hate symbol. Mm -hmm. um, this flag represents my people's very long historic oppression, and for them, it's this is my Southern pride. And how do you coexist in a country together like that on such such um on I, I mean that's that's such a great deal of animosity right yeah. <laughs> come face to face with a person that says you know this is my beloved history and i'm like this is my people's nightmare yeah um and yeah i mean you get that that kind of clash of clash of um moral you know moral preference and moral priorities not just in the united states you know lots of most countries have some history of oppression of undergroups of minorities um, and it gets it can get quite serious and violent and we saw that definitely in Charlottesville mm, mm. Yeah. Um, show me a nation where that hasn't happened and I'll be shocked yeah give me a map and I'll yeah. in a couple hours I'll yeah. See. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um, what is the basis for, for right-wing terrorism? I guess we've just covered a little bit of that, but I mean, was was there a shift post 9-11 um, from maybe anti-government, far-right terrorism um, and, and, and other movements to straight, um, you know, anti-Islam, Islamophobia um, and uh, nationalism? Hmm. Well, I think the problem with 9-11 is it's such a... In terms of world history, I remember reading in high school a journal article that said, you know, this is one of those events that seems to divide our view of history into before and after. One of those very few events in the world where you can mm. say pre and post, you know, because mm. the world changes so um, fundamentally in terms of how we deal with security and counterterrorism and issues. But I think 9-11, because it has that kind of um, weight to it, um, I mean, it kind of overshadows a lot of... A lot of um, terrorism that had always been happening yeah. in the world. You know, this word terrorism really caught on in the United States. Not that 9-11 was its first use, but, you know, it became just household, you know, lingo. Well, you've got terror alerts on every channel all the time. Oh, you've got colors flashing yeah. across the screen. We're purple, we're at amber, we're, yep. you know, like... Yep, and I, I grew up seeing all that. I was five years old when, you know, I watched the, the, the second plane hit the second and just, you know, crazy stuff, but I think... It be terrorism became household language um, because of this element of otherness, because mm -hmm. of this idea of a different religion, a different people, a different culture coming and attacking a Western American way of life. And people caught on to that because people always catch on to, you know, the us and them, mm -hmm. you know, animosity. But the truth is terrorism uh, in the United States and around the world has existed for, for so, so very long. And the truth of it is, in the United States, most terrorism and most casualties from terrorism have always come from white supremacist groups. Mm. Um, statistically, um, as, as, as long as you look at it, we tend to have an ahistorical view of it, though. You know, we go back to 9-11 and then we go there, boom, that was, you know, our beginning of our troubles with terrorism. 
Not true. No. And um, any maybe foreign-based terrorism, but I mean, in the United yeah. States, you're, you're looking at things like uh, McVeigh. Yes. Um, you're, you know, and there's several other big attacks. Um, yes. It's just homegrown, and that, and that I mean, McVeigh was a pushback against the government after Waco and Ruby Ridge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Timothy McVeigh. I mean, that that was. People, I don't even know if if my generation, if I said Oklahoma City bombing, like, would people know Mm. what I'm talking about? You know, would people know about the casualty? Would people know about his ideology? You know, all of these these far-right sources that he got into through, you know, associations in Waco and the idea, this, like, championing, championing of, like, individual rights to guns and him going to gun shows and being radicalized. And people don't... My generation doesn't know all that, you mm. know, and it's, I think it's a shame because it makes us think that, um, it makes us think that our enemies, quote unquote enemies, are all foreign and um, it, it gives rise to Islamophobia, you know, it gives rise to xenophobia, so long as we forget that, you know, evil doesn't have a face, mm. it doesn't have a culture, um, and, you know, if we forget that, then... You know, we can easily demonize our other, whichever person or whichever group is most foreign to us. We'll just put the whole burden on them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think it's really on the rise, far-right terrorism, um, you know, and uh, is it, or is it just now more out in the open, um, you know, brought up by the rhetoric of pseudo, certain political uh, administrations in the world. <laughs> <laughs> <Certain political administrations. laughs> uh, but, you know, buoyed by the rise of far-right uh, parties around the world that are doing really well in, in elections in, yeah. in, in, in countries, especially in Europe. Um, you know, it's, you know this, it seems like there's open support uh, to make it safe to express ideas mm-hmm. uh, of hate and, and of nationalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I think nobody can deny is this is the, in terms of publicity, this is the best time to be a right-wing, far, you know, far-right, white nationalist. This is this is the time when you are seeing widespread, like, I won't say political support, but, I mean, not, there, there's... It's not being denounced. Yeah, it is not, it's not being openly denounced, and, you know... Now I'm an American in in New Zealand, and I find myself every single week talking about you know my country and this present administration is just morally bankrupt, spe- mm. especially when it comes to denouncing white supremacy, when it comes to denouncing far right terrorism. Um, yeah, it's it's. I don't think that far right terrorism is on the rise. It has a very, very long history and mm. a very, very high death toll, um, going back very, very far. Um, and I am of the opinion that I count colonial violence as um, yeah. white supremacist terrorism. Uh, so we have a, a, a very, very long history of it in this world. So I'm not, um, I'm not so much in a panic state, you know, when all of these, all of these things happen. But I do think that. Yeah, these people are majorly, majorly emboldened. And it's not just because of political leaders or the rise of, you know, right-wing populism in Europe um, or, you know, moral bankruptcy in America. It's because of that, but it's also because it has found somehow a home in our societies. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we do ourselves um, a disservice when we convince ourselves it's just talk 
or it's just opinions. Um, and these are things that everybody, you know, has a right to, and they're mm. relatively harmless. We know that words are not harmless yes. whatsoever. Um, so I think, yeah, we can definitely, we can definitely point fingers at, you know, political leadership that that um, that is not being the moral compass that it should be. Um, but I also think that any rise or any gain in prominence of this ideology is also a social issue. Um, mm. It's a societal issue uh, right down to the individual level. Um, and it's something that everyone must be active in denouncing and in fighting. And that's what I have been very impressed with um, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, I've been very impressed with New Zealand and Kiwi's responses to the Christchurch attack. Um, it hasn't all been positive, though. No, no, it not has not all been positive. Um, but I think what I think it's done positive work. However, I think um, um, every time you something like this happens, you end up finding skeletons in your closet yeah. that you sort of knew were there, oh, but you can just ignore it for a while until something like this happens, and then you know voices that have been saying this for a long, long time are going to come out of the woodwork and say, you know. Not we told you so, but please, please listen because. Yeah. But there's yeah. been like, there's been certain politicians in New Zealand over the last couple of weeks kind of been in denial. I think. I mean, I look at the mayor of Christchurch and she says, you know, you know, this was never a problem in Christchurch before. I don't believe that there's been an issue with far right yes. groups. But that is, it's like, I mean, it's far. I mean. It's always been a knowledge uh, in, in all of New Zealand, and I've known this for years, mm. that there has been a, a, um, you know, a skinhead issue mm. in Christchurch, this undertone of racism in that city. You know, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a thing. We know Christchurch as a racist city. Mm. I mean, I always have. It's the way I've always seen it. Mm. Uh, and for a politician to come out and kind of deny that, isn't that just doing, isn't that negative to the whole thing? Uh, yes, I think it definitely does. Um some negative work. I think it reveals quite a bit of social ignorance. Um, or do they just embarrass? You know, I'm, oh, there's want it to definitely be an element of embarrassment. I think the off-the-cuff response to the attack, the general off-the-cuff response to the attack was this: "This isn't us, right? You see this everywhere. This is not us. Mm, um, mm. You see the they are us um, hashtags everywhere, which are, are quite nice and quite well-intentioned. Um, but when you when you say this isn't us, right?" That is, in essence, saying this came out of nowhere. You know, this ideology, this person came out of a vacuum. And yes, technically, this, this man was an Aussie, right? But uh, the truth is, he found a home here. Somehow, yeah. you know, he felt ideologically comfortable, um, you know, here. And the, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the long right, um, right wing, you know, um, attitudes, far right wing attitudes in Christchurch, but I do know, um, and I encourage your listeners to do this, that if you Google white supremacist terrorism, New Zealand, or just white supremacy, New Zealand, like you're getting a long list of results, and they're not just all post Christchurch. You know, you're getting no, lists of student groups in Auckland, getting groups of racist symbols. Everywhere, everywhere around the country, you got lots and lots of reports oh, we're of getting this having been there. Oh, we on Jewish graves, yes. you know, all yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. And then you've got, you know, you've got um, things like the Hobson's Pledge. I don't know if you know about that, but that's got an underbelly of racism too. It's, it's like, you know, you're trying to say. Um, yeah, Hobson was the man that technically wrote the, um, well, did write the the Treaty of Waitangi. Mm, yes, you know, yes. and, and Hobson 
but the, and then there was a translation of that into yes. Maori, and, and it was completely yes. wrong. They didn't give up sovereignty, uh-huh. but this group is saying that they did, and we, it's about time we became just one law for all. The mm. Maori are getting too many handouts and oh, lifts yes, ups yes. and stuff like that, and and that's got to stop, you know. Same and that kind of everywhere. stuff keeps pushing the same kind of bullshit rhetoric, mm. and maybe um, you know quite minimal in their eyes, but it's still saying something, and it adds to more, th- you know, can add to more things to to make it grow the hate yeah grow. yeah it's um i think recognizing that um these issues of racism that pre-existed you know that um predate christchurch these issues of white supremacy that certainly predate predate christchurch um issues of terrorism certainly predate christchurch right the idea is if you keep your eyes on the fact that history is rife with these conflicts um, I think the the shock of Christchurch goes down a bit. Then you can't have mayors that say this isn't us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is you can find a turning point here at Christchurch. You can find this turning point from a denial in saying this isn't us, which is well-intentioned. It's meant to say, you know, this is not, you know, who we want to be. But mm. that is what we should be saying instead, you know, yeah. that this is us it reveals something about us and our history and this ideology that somehow found a root and a home here Um, and until you acknowledge that i don't think that you can properly fight it i don't think that you can properly counter these things if if you will not you know look children in the eye in their curriculums and tell them exactly you know how did this country come to be you know who is on top who is on bottom and why and how do we fix it you know And if you're looking forward to a future where, you know, we look back on Christchurch and say this was the point in our society where we decided to be way better than the United States, way better than the response of maybe UK or France, you know, and say, you know what, we're going to deal with these issues um, without demonizing the other. We're going to look at the skeletons in our own closet Mm. um, and say, you know, this is the time that we need to change that's how you know New Zealand can be, you know, different and just so much better. Than we do, I mean, time. we don't even teach our own history in our schools. We, I mean, in history, I learned about Ireland, mm-hmm. and Black history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in America. That is so funny to me because I was up in Waimati a few <laughs> weeks ago doing um, a. Uh, talk for the Rotary Club up there and I gave a talk at the high school too since I was already up there and the teacher asked um, would you come back we're gonna do a unit on civil rights in America and I was just blown away because I didn't get a lot of units on civil rights in America which but is this, crazy. Yeah, but yeah, but, it, this, yeah like, but this is it, right? This is yeah. like governments and saying, oh, let's not look back at the past, you know. Yeah. We still want to be, it's almost like we want to be on top. And if you learn too much, mm-hmm. if you find out too much about the past, mm-hmm. maybe you'll, you'll challenge it. Well, I think maybe, well, yes, definitely. I think maybe New Zealand, which is renowned for being a peaceful place, you know. I came here and my mom was terrified that I was moving halfway around the world. And New Zealand was like number two on like the World Peace Index behind like, Iceland or something, you know, like I told my mom, like nothing, nothing is going to happen. This is New Zealand, you know, there's like four and a half million people. I'm from LA. That's, that's like nothing. (laughs) I mean, it was safe. That's your block. Yeah. 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 I'm like, that's, that's nothing, you know? Um, And so New Zealand has this reputation, you know, international reputation for being just this peaceful, like getaway somewhere at the bottom of the Pacific. Um, And I think that the pat, this, past of colonial violence um, that's not taught to children, right, 
it all that does is a disservice to them, right? They yeah. have this skewed view of who they are um, of in the world, right? And they've just taken on this, oh, it's New Zealand peaceful. And that leads to shock when something like this happens. Absolute shock. Mm. Um, and he should be shocked. I was definitely shocked. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much. Like, people don't know about Wakefield, the Wakefield Company and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's... It's crazy. Um, just quickly, because we're running out of time. Do, do you think that we, as we, our government and other governments around the world have been kind of like, well, you know, being focused on jihadi terrorists and mm. kind of been kind of complacent and sit back and not really f worried about what's going on in our own backyard, um, the rise of far right and, and hate in, in our country, you know, it, it, was, it seems like there's a feeling that these groups weren't really being closely watched. You know, we've got this Five Eyes Alliance, that's, mm. you know, this international super spy agency force. <laughs> you know, um, but it, it, with all that, we miss things. You know, is it because we weren't looking? Um, I think it's because, um, look, threats from our in-group are not taken as seriously as threats from outsiders. Hmm. Um, you get, you know, images all the time since 9-11, before 9-11 too, but definitely since 9-11. Um, jihadi terrorists, um, people from the Middle East, brown people who wear turbans, who have got all of these things um, become so demonized and it's easy to do that because they are the essence of other, right? Like that is mm. something that, um, and, and there are many Muslims in, in New Zealand, but that is that is a, 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 a general Western image of the other, right? And so, yeah, you're gonna focus on that because people don't tend to look at threats from within their group as seriously. Um, and there's definitely a reason for that. If you have a white supremacist that threatens violence against non-white people, majority white people are not paying attention. Yeah. Um, the threat is not directed towards them. And what that tells you is, um, it tells you people's internal subconscious attitudes about who matters and um, what threats matter and to who. Um, if you have a jihadist that says, death to the West, then now we're paying attention. Yeah. If you have a white supremacist that says, white genocide is happening and we need to wipe out you know, everybody who is not us to save our own history, people can easily write it off as a madman. That's not their threat. Hmm. You know? And that really tells you uh, that there isn't the social cohesion that you think there is. Um, with regards to diversity in New Zealand. And that's why saying that this is not us, it's doing no one a good service. Saying this is not who we want to be, mm. that's the first step to changing. Yeah, nice. Hey, well, thank you so much for coming in this morning. Thank you for having me. Ah, you're more than yeah. welcome. Come back anytime. Cool. It's been a Call pleasure. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.